Good morning. Uh, before we get into today's sermon, uh, Ray Lowe, a member of our church, asked if we can pray as a church for his mum, Sui Mei. Uh, some of you might know she's been very unwell for a long time, and this afternoon she's actually been taken to palliative care. So, how about we just bow our heads and pray? Heavenly Father, we want to lift up to you, sweet May, today as she enters palliative care. Lord, we thank you that she knows you and that she's blessed many people in this church over many years. Lord, we pray that she'll have a comfortable transition today. Lord, we pray for healing and that you'll sustain her. Lord, we know that you're the God who's in control of all things. You're the great healer and her life is in your hands. Lord, we also pray for Rain Sean. Pray that you help them to keep putting their trust in you during this difficult time. And Lord, we pray these things for Jesus. Amen. Today we're finishing off uh, this series of grace and this final topic on encouragement. Uh, if you remember in the past 10 weeks, we've been looking at being genuine truth-tellers, receptive listeners, active stewards, a community of God's people, and encouraging each other. And the topic I've been given to speak about today is a forgiving church, a church where people bear no grudges against each other, and things aren't held against each other. I actually thought in the beginning of the week about testing this idea of a forgiving church uh, if I just didn't produce a sermon this week and see what would happen, <laughs> but I didn't really want to push my luck today. <laughs> uh, over the course of the church over the past 100 years, there's been many silly reasons of why people have broken fellowship within the church, and here are some that I found. People have broken fellowship because they couldn't agree where to place the offering during the church service. People have broken fellowship because someone placed flowers in a church hall and it upset people apparently to the point of splitting a whole entire church. There have been broken relationships because people couldn't agree on the choice of the colour of the carpet, colour of the walls, or different signs and logos. Actually a group of youths in the US uh, broke fellowship because they were upset at how the word hallelujah was spelt. H or the A, and apparently they broke fellowship and a church was split because of that. All of these small and silly issues become massive issues with a heart of unforgiveness. And on a more serious note, uh, this topic of forgiveness is a very broad and difficult topic to speak about. We all hopefully agree in theory that we should be a forgiving church, but in practice, it's actually a very difficult thing. We all either have or we know about complicated situations where forgiveness may be a hard or even a seemingly impossible thing to think about. During today's message, I definitely won't cover the whole topic of forgiveness. I also don't want to oversimplify the process of forgiveness. Often these situations are complex and it takes time and effort for forgiveness to occur. But hopefully, God will be able to challenge you somehow with what he wants us to do to forgive each other within the church. Through today's sermon, I found it very difficult to find the appropriate illustrations. So through today's points, I just want to share how God has challenged me this week about being part of a forgiving church 
what that means. Today's main points flow out of the Apostle Paul's argument in Ephesians 4.32 about how we are to forgive each other. And the first section will look at this argument. Then we'll look at five different facets or different points of forgiveness, of being a forgiving church. And then we'll end with some questions to reflect on and to be challenged by. There are a number of passages in the New Testament that talk about forgiving one another within the body. And in general, all of them have a similar application. The verse I've selected, which is on the screen, is Ephesians 4.32. It's in the middle of Paul's encouragement to the church in Ephesus. And it says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Here Paul compares the way that we forgive one another to the way that God has forgiven us through Christ. And this is the scriptural model of how we are to forgive each other in the body or in the church, forgiving as God has forgiven us through Christ. After doing some Bible passages searches on forgiveness, I found a few other passages that echo the same point. For example, Colossians 3.13 says, Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And also we know in the Lord's Prayer that we all learnt in Sunday school, well I did anyway, in Matthew 6, it links forgiving others with God's forgiveness of us in the phrase, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. God has shown forgiveness to us in the most extreme lengths possible. He has forgiven us for our rebellion against our Creator God. And God likewise wants us to show this forgiveness to those around us uh, in our comparably insignificant earthly issues. So how can we encourage each other with this Christ-like forgiveness within the church? I want to suggest five ways that God has forgiven us, that God is also challenging us in showing forgiveness towards others. So let's jump into it. The first way that God through Christ forgives us is that he shows genuine forgiveness or maybe the words extravagant or loving and gracious forgiveness might describe it better. The passage that really shows this is the Luke 15 passage that we read earlier about the parable of the prodigal son. This passage is seated in a group of lost and found parables in Luke. And Jesus tells this parable in response to the Pharisees who were angry about Jesus sitting and eating with sinners. And most of us know the story really well. The father has two sons. The younger son gets bored. He takes his inheritance from his father and wanders around the world. He goes broke, and after a while, he sees his mistake and decides to return home. In verse 20 to 32, Jesus tells of the response of the Father, who illustrates God. And also in verse 25, he starts talking about the response of the elder brother, who most likely illustrates the Pharisees. So first we'll look at the response of the Father, which is an image of how God, through Jesus, demonstrates his genuine forgiveness towards us. And this is the example of how we are to forgive one another. Note as we fly over these few verses, note the extents 
of how far the father goes out to forgive and to welcome his son. Firstly, the father sees the son and he feels compassion. This shows that the father wanted, to, wanted the son to come back. He wanted fellowship and relationship with his son again. Secondly, the father runs out and embraces his son. We can read this and take it for granted, but we need to remember that in the story, the father is now old. And in Eastern culture, it's actually undignified, against etiquette, and dishonorable for a man to run in public. It's like if I went to Jamie Oliver's restaurant and ate without cutlery, which I did in Sydney. This shows the extent of the father's forgiveness. Thirdly, the father reinstates the son back into the family. The best robe, a gold ring, shoes for his feet, no works required, no strings attached, grace is shown. The son is part of the family again. And fourthly, and my favorite part, the father throws a barbecue with his most prized aged marble beef steaks, probably Wagyu or Kobe beef, to celebrate his son's return. All of these point to the extent of God's forgiveness towards us. God wants a relationship with us, and he's waiting. He's knocking on each of our doorsteps. And when we do come to him, God welcomes us with open arms, grace and love. No works required, no strings attached, no paperwork necessary. And God not only welcomes us into the family, he gives us the title of heirs and children in his kingdom. God is abounding in grace and love. Genuine forgiveness, this extravagant demonstration of grace and love, is shown from the Father towards the Son, is shown from God to us, and God wants us to show this genuine forgiveness to each other also. Forgiveness that's abounding in grace and love. The opposite response is also alluded to in the older brother's response in verse 25 to 32. And this really demonstrates the difficulties that we may have in genuine forgiveness. In contrast to the father, the brother receives the news with anger and he doesn't want to see his son, his younger brother. He's reluctant to show love and he's reluctant to reinstate this fellowship and relationship again. And sometimes we're similar. Instead of showing genuine forgiveness, we become angry and we either grudgingly forgive. We say we forgive, but it's really out of necessity and because we kind of have to. And it's not out of love. And it's either that or we just don't forgive at all. I know these situations are usually very complicated. Their conversations need to take place. Trust needs to be built. And this doesn't happen overnight. I don't want to oversimplify this process, but I just I think we all need to make sure that we're approaching these situations with a pure and godly mindset. We have the intent of showing genuine forgiveness. Over the past month, I think God's rebuked me for not showing genuine forgiveness in the past. I said I'd forgiven someone, but there was no love or grace shown towards them at all. Rather than showing genuine forgiveness, I kind of forgave them grudgingly which made me question if I forgave them at all. 
And after this realization, hard conversations took place, and now my mindset is hopefully on forgiving with grace and love. God wants us to show genuine forgiveness, abounding in love for each other. The second way that God forgives us through Christ is that he shows complete forgiveness. God forgives us in full. In Colossians 2.13-15, Paul is talking about what Christ has done for us. And he says that he forgave us all our sins by nailing it to the cross. In the Old Testament, Jeremiah calls this prophetic statement from God and says, For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. Complete forgiveness means that the issue is dealt with, it's done, and it won't come up again. This is how God forgives us. Jesus' death completely deals with all the sin in our lives. And God says through all scripture that when we truly come to Jesus, our sins will be remembered no more. So reading this through the filter of Ephesians 4.32, forgiving each other as God through Christ forgave us, God wants us to show complete forgiveness to each other. This means that when we forgive someone, it's dealt with, it's done, and it won't come up again. It means we won't bring it up with the other person again. We won't bring it up to other people again, which is gossip anyway. And most importantly, we won't bring it up in our minds again. And this really spoke to me this week as I remember many times in the past when I say that I've forgiven someone, but really I was still revisiting it in my mind. I still harbored small segments of reluctance to let go of the issue. I wonder if this is something that you struggle with also. I think the biggest difficulty of complete forgiveness is that we see some issues as too big to let go of. The other person might have wronged you greatly or the situation is just really, really complicated. Again, I don't want to oversimplify the situations you may be in, but I'd like to remind you of what God reminded me of this week. God God removed the biggest debt ever as he forgave me and you. And any earthly debt, it's tiny, it's small, it's minuscule compared to our rebellion against our Creator. And Matthew 18's parable of the unforgiving servant really speaks about this also. God wants us to show complete forgiveness to one another. Forgiveness that's in full. The third way that God forgives us through Christ is that he forgives sacrificially. God forgives us at a cost. And the cost, which is focused on through all of scripture, is the blood of Jesus, the Son of God. Hebrews 10 talks about the once for all sacrifice of Jesus. And in verse 10 it says that we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Our holiness, or our relationship with God, God's forgiveness of us, is made possible with the sacrifice of Jesus. God forgives us sacrificially, and again, reading through the filter of Ephesians 4, God wants us to forgive each other, even though it may cost us or hurt us. Often when I forgive someone, it's going to cost me by 
prioritizing fellowship with that other person and overlooking the pain and hurt that they might have caused me. Sometimes it might cost financially, cost time, or even more pain sometimes. But the cost that we might pay for forgiveness is tiny compared to the cost that God paid in God's sacrifice for us. A few months ago, uh, my car was hit by someone throwing a small rock. And I made a conscious decision when I heard of it at the time to let go of the issue, even though it took my car out of action for a couple of days and I might lose my awesomely good insurance rating on my next bill. It's a small cost, but it's an example of sacrificial forgiveness. Sometimes we don't forgive well because we're not willing to sacrifice anything. We don't want to pay any cost at all. But God wants us to show sacrificial forgiveness. He wants us to forgive one another, even if it may cost. The fourth way that that God forgives us is that he forgives us impartially. His forgiveness stretches towards all peoples. A couple weeks ago, I preached at the night service about the body. And Paul says in 1 Corinthians that it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Greek or an Aussie, or an Asian, or an African, or an American, or even a New South Welshman, especially after this week's excessive bloating in the office. It doesn't matter if you're slave or free, professional, tradie, retiree, student, it doesn't matter. God's forgiveness stretches towards all. And Romans 10.13 says that everyone, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So if God's forgiveness is impartial towards everyone who calls on him, that means our forgiveness should also be impartial to everyone. It's so easy for us to show forgiveness to some people but not others. If a friend and a stranger wronged us the same way, we'd probably be more inclined to forgive the friend but not the stranger. Or maybe sometimes it's the opposite. I think I'm usually a gentle and nice guy. People beg to differ. But when I get on the sporting fields, Mr. Nice Guy goes away and is replaced by Mr. Competitive. When I played competition badminton many years ago, I used to play doubles competitions with a mixture of different partners. When I played with friends, it'd be really easy for me to get over a friend who played a bad game. But when it was someone that I didn't know well, I used to get frustrated and annoyed and more unforgiving when they played a bad game. When I knew my partner was good but wasn't playing well or to their potential, I'd probably hold it against them more than someone else who wasn't that good. And I did this all subconsciously. I never really thought about it much back then. And in life situations, I think the same principles apply. We all struggle in some way to show impartial forgiveness and showing and we give preference to people subconsciously. So in our situations we need to think about and ask ourselves, am I showing impartial forgiveness here to everyone? God wants us to imitate his forgiveness towards us and demonstrate impartial forgiveness forgiving all peoples, regardless of their relationship, culture, or status. The final point that I want to draw your attention to today about how God forgives us is that he initiates 
forgiveness towards us. Romans 5.8 says, While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. In our broken relationship with God, God took the initiative. Christ died for us while we were still sinners, while we were still helpless. And he did this to extend God's forgiveness towards us. And Jesus also speaks about this importance of us taking initiative in forgiving others and doing it as soon as possible. In Matthew 5, verse 20 to 24, Jesus speaks about the importance of living at peace with one another as followers and disciples of Jesus. In particular, verse 23 and 24 says, If you're offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. These verses suggest that a relationship with a brother or sister in Christ, it's so important that broken fellowship affects that person's relationship with God. It's very difficult, almost impossible in my perspective, to worship God appropriately while having broken fellowship with fellow believers. Jesus commands us to reconcile ourselves to them, to initiate forgiveness towards others, so that our worship to God is pure, unobstructed, and wholehearted. There are many obstacles in initiating forgiveness towards others. Some are real, some are perception, but all of them need to be confronted. The biggest obstacle for me in this point is the obstacle of fear, which manifests itself in the form of laziness and waiting for the other person to come and initiate first. It's visible with this comment of, he or she can just come to me first. And it's something that God actually corrected me about this week. Uh, This week I reached out to a person who I hadn't talked to for about six months because of a broken friendship. And through those six months, my excuse was that I was scared of the pain that he might cause in reacting if I reached out to him. But God really convicted me this week of initiating forgiveness towards him instead of just waiting and putting it off. Initiating forgiveness is a courageous and bold thing to do, but most importantly, it's what God wants us to do. So just to summarise the point so far, the filter that we're looking through today is Ephesians 4.32. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. God wants us to be a forgiving church, a church where we bear no grudges against each other, a church where things aren't held against you. And God wants us to encourage each other with genuine forgiveness, forgiving from the heart, bounding with grace and love. He wants us to show complete forgiveness, forgiving in full, sacrificial forgiveness, forgiving even when it costs, impartial forgiveness, forgiving all peoples, everyone, and initiating forgiveness, to take the first step of forgiveness. By practicing these things, we're not only giving honour and glory to God, but we also encourage each other in the body of Christ, and we become a true example of Christ's forgiveness towards us.
So just to finish off today, I've put together a number of questions for us to reflect on and to challenge ourselves with and to think about. And you might like to write them down or just pick the question that applies to you best and think over it. Each question is an application from each of the five points that we looked at earlier. And think about which point or which points is God convicting you about today. So first question, do you show genuine forgiveness, grace and love towards others? Or do you tend to forgive grudgingly or not forgive at all? Genuine forgiveness or grudgingly or not at all? Second question, do you forgive in full or do you find yourself continually revisiting the issue? Forgive in full or continually coming back to the issue? Third question, are you willing to forgive at a cost to yourself? Or do you shy away from the cost of forgiveness? To forgive at a cost or to shy away from the cost? Fourth question, do you forgive all people, everyone? Or do you only forgive some people and not others? All people or some and not others? And the final question, are you willing to initiate forgiveness of others? Or do you tend to wait for the other person to come to you? Initiate forgiveness of others. Or wait for the other person to come to you. To wrap up today and this series, God wants us to be a church which is a genuine, receptive and active community of encouragers. In particular today, God wants us to be a forgiving church. He wants us to encourage each other in forgiveness. Forgiving as God through Christ has forgiven us. Bearing no grudges against each other. Holding, not holding anything against each other. And working together to become passionate followers of our Lord Jesus Christ. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we know and thank you that it's only through the blood of Jesus that we're saved. Lord, we thank you that you have indeed forgiven us through Christ. Lord, we pray that you'll help us to be a church which demonstrates your forgiveness, to forgive others as you have forgiven us. Lord, you know the situations, the circumstances and the issues that are in each and every one of our lives. And Lord, we know... You know how we're feeling and you know what we're going through. And Lord, we pray that you help each and every one of us to put on this mindset of forgiveness. And Lord, we do this because you reign over our lives, over this church, and you reign over this world. And we pray these things in